You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos and more. Welcome to episode 26 of the Hoops Fix podcast with me, your host Sam Nita, full-time British basketball advocate. Got a good one this week. I know we're a little bit delayed. Uh, things have been a bit mad with the Christmas break. But we've got the chance to sit down with GB guard and Karoyeva guard um, Devin Van Ustrom to talk about his basketball career so far. And, uh, you know, this is a guy, as you as you well know, has been dedicated to the national team program since he was 15, 16 years old. Um, he left Sheffield, left the UK very young when he was 15, 16, um, to sign in Spain with Basconia, where he was under a multi-year contract, which he only just got out of uh, this summer. But yeah, he has so much really interesting insight to give, not only on his professional career um, to date and his life within basketball, but uh, also the GB program um, and how he's found representing national teams and doing what he's done over the years. Um, So yeah, anyway... I don't want to talk too much. Have a listen. Let me know what you think. As always, I'm contactable on all the social networks at HoopsFix. You can email me on sam at hoopsfix.com. I reply to every single one. Um, and, of course, if you're listening to this uh, before Christmas, do have a good Christmas break and New Year, and we will be back next week uh, with the next episode. So here's my conversation with Devon Van Oostrum. All right, we're honoured to be here with GB point guard and Karoivos guard Devon Van Oostrum. Devon, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. How's the season going so far? Tell me about Greece. Um, it's it's going well. I mean, uh, we're on a a sort of low budget team, but um, we're we're maintaining our team goals at the minute. We're trying to win as many home games as possible. Away, it's always it's always difficult, but it's going well. I'm enjoying it. Obviously, you're in your second season in Greece now. Um, yeah. You know, is part of the reason that you chose to re-sign, was that because of the fact that you like it there, you like the culture, you like all that stuff, or was it just more of a business decision? Well, I mean, Greece is, obviously it's a respected league, and it's it's sort of a trampoline league. Um, so after, you know, after Greece, you can get, you can go to a big team, and, you know, like like many people have, have done here in the past, like Ovi's done. Um, but... I don't know. I, I I know what the league's like. I know last year was kind of my my first year playing a lot of minutes and being important on the team. And I just really, I really enjoyed that. I really, I was very thankful to coach for giving me that that kind of chance and to have the same chance again this year and and improve on what I did last year. I mean, I I couldn't really pass up on that to be honest. When you say you want to use it as a springboard, um, where are you trying to get to? Um, I mean, I mean, everyone knows I, I had a very long contract in in Euroleague, but I never really managed to maintain a role or have any real importance on the team. Which, I mean, as frustrating as it was, it you know it, that kind of happened. But um, this is kind of. For me, I see it in a way. Last year, I, I started my career, my real professional career, because you know that was the first real season where I wasn't on loan, where I was well, I was on loan, but I was very important on a team, and I had you know a, a major a major role. Whereas in Euroleague or with, with that team, I was never really, I don't know, in a way taken seriously. I was always on loan, 
and I was the, the two years I was there, I was glued to the bench. So it was, you know, it's kind of a trampoline to get back to where I was, but with a different role. Okay. Did Did you feel, uh, or do you feel that you're underappreciated, underappreciated by um, Basconia Vittoria? Um, not really. I mean, I don't. It was a, it was a very weird situation. I mean, I obviously I went in there with a lot of high expectation, if you will. But um, and I went on loan, and the only kind of real issue I had was so I went to Tarragona. I had like a, a, a solid first professional year in Leb Gold, and I went to Catheters, improved on my year, and they called me back, which obviously is is very nice. You know, and I was at the time I was very excited to have the opportunity to debut in ACB to you know really start playing at that high level. But it kind of came for the wrong reasons. I mean, they got rid of a Spanish player, so obviously they needed another Spanish player to come back. And instead of signing somebody, you know, they decided to bring me back since I count as a Spanish player. But there was no real intention of me playing. So obviously, you know, I'd get to practice along with all these great players, but I kind of. I felt like my progress from Tarragona Catheters to eventually getting to where I need to be to have a role on that team kind of got broken down in a way. So then I was there for that half half the season. And then the year after I was there again and I was still kind of stuck to the bench. And that's kind of what I didn't really understand while I was there. You know, if either let me develop where I was you know, obviously enjoying myself and and trying to get to where they wanted me to be. You know, that's and then to bring me back and have me on the bench for a year and a half, I I just couldn't really agree with that. And it was very very difficult and very frustrating. And I'm right in thinking that you signed with them when you were fifteen years old, is it? Uh fifteen, sixteen, yeah. And then you only just this was cause I, obviously I saw you this summer at the um Daniel Meagher's All-Star Weekend, and yeah. you said this was your first summer as an actual proper free agent where that contract was then up, right? Yeah, this was my first my first uh, free agent summer, really. And you're now like 23? 23, yeah. So so essentially, like, that was what, a seven, was it initially a seven-year, co- how, how did the contract work when you originally signed it? Like, is it a, you know, you... It was, it was a, I mean, I, I think it was seven years, I think it was... Yeah, something like that. I mean, there were two sections to it. I had a plus two years afterwards. No, plus one. And they didn't exercise it. So that's why I was a free agent this summer. I see. So I feel like we're jumping all over the place. And so I, I kind of want to try and um, keep it chronological. But, uh, okay. So, so let's, let's, go, let's go right to the beginning um, and talk about kind of how you first started playing basketball. Obviously, your dad was a player... You know, you're, you're a, a very strong basketball fan. You're both your brothers playing. Um, so can you talk about how, how you first got into the game, how you first picked up a basketball? Um, I mean, uh, like you said, my, my dad used to play. And um, basically, as soon as my older brother got into it, I got into it. So I, I don't know. I think we were like, Nigel was like nine, maybe, well, younger, seven. And I might have been like four. And that's kind of how we started and it just built up from there and obviously then Sam came along and Sam joined in too so it was always 
you know, a very basketball orientated family. So what, what do you think was it? What was it about it that you know? Obviously, you picked up a ball at four years old, but the, the fact that you've you then stuck with it and you know still doing it to this day, and obviously it's your career. Like, what was it about it that that you think made you continue? I mean, when that? I when I was younger, I was so I did I did athletics, I did basketball, and I did football, and those are like the three main things. And honestly, I mean, when I was young. I was a goalkeeper when I was younger for football, and I hated the weather. You know, I was a good keeper, but it was so cold. Yeah. And I just remember playing basketball. It would be indoors. I'd be running up and down, and I would never be cold. And that, for me, at that age, I was like eight or nine. I was like, look, I can't be in net for the rest of my life, just freezing up and down the sideline. So I was like, that's kind of when I turned to basketball, and then... Obviously, my love kind of developed more for it, but that was probably the the main reason at the time. And then, and what was your progression in terms of uh, like junior clubs? Because I'm sure doesn't everywhere say that it was Sheffield Sharks that you originally started playing for when it actually wasn't. Yeah. Is that is that right? No, I, I played for Sheffield Sharks. It was uh, Sheffield Sharks. Yeah, it was definitely Sheffield Sharks. I played. Um, yeah, I mean, I I played with the under thirteens. I think I started when I was like nine with, I think it was with Sam Fernley's age group. So that's like 89. Okay. And then eventually it would just, I kind of went all the way up to under 18s and obviously left when I was when I was 16. One of the, I remember one of the things that you said in an interview I did with you years ago um, was the fact that because you were just always playing against guys that are older than you, whether it was, whether it was your brother or, or sort of playing up age groups um, in club competitions, you think that's what kind of contributed to your development? Can you talk a little bit about how you think that did play a role in terms of your basketball progress? Oh, that's, that's definitely, I mean, when I was younger, I mean, I was always kind of the young kid at practice. Um, you know, obviously for my age, I was very, I was very good, but compared to, I don't know, Sam Fernley, my older brother, Will Hall, I was just, you know, another player really to them. No, no one really kind of paid attention to my age, and I was always competing with them. And I remember, you know, we'd we'd have practice, so it was always on Saturdays. It would be nine to eleven would be under thirteens, eleven to one would be uh, under fourteens or under fifteens, one to three would be uh, under sixteens, and three to five would be under eighteens. And I would be there from nine till five. Those were my, my eight-hour practices on Saturdays. I remember that very specifically. And I'd bring, I'd come with my lunchbox and have a little break in between, eat my lunch, and then. But that was, I mean, that was always. I don't know how. I, I wanted to do it. I always felt like, okay, you know what, I'm part of this team. And eventually, I got older and older, and then I kind of realized, all right, you know what, I'm actually. I'm actually pretty good. I'm actually pretty good for my age. And things kind of accelerated from there. Did you find that when you would then uh, play against your own age group, it was easy? Um, I mean, honestly, my my first Final Four, I remember playing my own age. It was under th- under 14s. And I was terrible. I was awful. Because it was... All of a sudden, I was on the under 14s and I was like, they expect me to do everything, whereas 
when I played with my brother and, and the older guys, my role was always I'm the defensive player and I'd press full court and then on offense just kind of float around and and be there. So I'd make my open shots, create every now and then, but I mean my main role was defensively. So I remember on the 14s, we played against Birmingham Final Four and, and we lost. We lost. And obviously, we always beat Birmingham, but they killed us. I played awful. Um, and I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I'm finally playing against my own age group and I'm, I'm not even dominating. But that was a... I think it was just... I had to get used to that role, really. You know, finally having to kind of do everything or you know, kind of take a major, major role on the team. That was kind of the turning point. Do you think the um, playing guys that are older than you, better than you, is what cultivated um, the competitiveness in you? Definitely. Definitely. I mean, my older brother is, Nigel's a very responsible for that too. I mean, I always play one-on-one with him and always kind of work out with him. He'd always be there with me. And obviously, I mean, they had a very good age group, so with Will Hall, Greg Steele, a lot of other guys. And um, they won a lot of championships with their age groups. I think they won on the 16s, on the 15s. They won the cup. They won the national, the national. And I kind of always said, "Look, I mean, if they can do it, we can do it." And it was me, John Stewart, uh, a couple other guys as well. So we definitely did like emulate them. Because for me, like the reason I talk about the competitiveness is always the, the first thing that uh, it was the, fir- the first time I saw you play was at Future Stars in person. Um, mm. in 2010 I think it was and uh, and clearly you you know obviously skill wise and everything else you were very good but for me the biggest differentiator was just um, was just the sort of imposing your will on the game and the desire to win and the chasing after loose balls and the riding your teammates um, and all that side of things and it was just like and I've never seen that like and that's the sort of one of the criticisms I feel that uh young English players get a lot is because they play the competition generally is so weak unless they're playing up um, that you know they're happy scoring 30 a game and they don't want to be out of their comfort zone and so they and because they're not playing that many competitive games you know it's uh, yeah it doesn't it doesn't breed that competitiveness um, but for you I always felt that was sort of one of the biggest differentiators do you, do you think that's what's kind of allowed you to get where you are today like if you would say you know what, what? Why have you made it, so to speak? Like, why are you a professional basketball player? How much of it would you say is your sort of state of mind, mentality compared to your physical skills? Um, I, I definitely think is one of the main reasons. I mean, it, and it's all like you said, it is all due down to playing against the older guys and you know having people beat up on you. Whereas, let's say I played under thirteens, my or I consistently played with my own age group and I would dominate. There is no real competition in a way so definitely playing against my older uh, the older guys helped that in a way but I don't know my competitiveness is I mean it's benefited a lot so I mean it's, it's helped me a lot to reach where I am but it's also caused a few problems I mean I I know that play I mean players can tell you that I, I I'm a bit of an asshole sometimes especially when I was younger um you know it, it was it'll get the best of me sometimes. And I mean, even with coaches, sometimes I've had issues and it's, 
it's not because uh, I have an attitude problem. It's just, you know, I, I can't help getting very frustrated when, you know, people aren't doing the right thing. Let's, you know, <laughs> put it bluntly. But, I mean, it's... And I've always been like that. And, you know, no matter where it's been, whether it's with GB men's or with, with you know, my professional team now. And it, it just kind of depends on who who you're around. I mean, when I was... When I was younger, when I was with my brothers and, and the older guys from Sheffield, we all knew each other, so we could kind of talk to each other how we want. But obviously that was a huge learning experience for me when I went from, you know, playing with those guys to then coming to Basconia. And I remember because I'd, I'd come here and it would be, I'd be 15, 16 years old. And I was thrown into the ACB team with, with Dusko Ivanovic, you know, one of the craziest coaches in Europe. And what happened? And it was just, I mean, obviously the, the level was completely different. I was just some skinny kid there. But, I mean, the way they competed every time, the way they, you know, and then the way coach would just go in on players. So these are NBA players. These are players making over a million uh, euros a year. And and this coach was just treating them like, like little twelve-year-old kids, just screaming at them, shouting at them. I don't. I just. I just couldn't believe it. And I. I froze up. I remember. I, I my first week there. I. I didn't say a word during practice. It was. It was like a completely different me from. Usually, where I don't shut up during the whole practice. Now I'm there, just quiet, intimidated. But there was that was like a whole different level of, of competition of. So that was that was very nice to see. Where do you sit on the fence? Uh, in terms of coaches that scream and shout and go absolutely mental compared to coaches that, uh, you know, are just a little bit more relaxed and calm? How, how do you feel about how you react better? Um, I've always reacted better when when coaches are just honest. Like my my main issue with, well, I mean, coaches and players and stuff is, you know, there's no reason to play games. There's no reason to to do mind games and whatnot to to get your way to test players. I've always I've always felt if you want to say uh, you suck, tell me I suck. Tell me I'm not where I need to be. Tell me uh, I need to work on my shot. Tell me I'm not a good enough defender. I'd rather you tell me that than put it in a nice way and then kind of make me figure it out. Mm. You know that's that's always how I've been. That's and I don't know, I, I mean, in the past I've had coaches that are a little scared to say that or, and it's, it's never really, I never really understood that. And it's, it's always frustrated me a little bit. Do you think you've ever, you've ever had coaches that have been intimidated by you? Um. <laughs> like, have you ever felt that like there's a coach that, uh, you know, it's kind of like just doesn't have the balls to cuss you out when he should be cussing you out. I have felt that, especially um, when I was younger. I mean, now the professional teams, is, it's a little different. But yeah. when I was younger, definitely. I mean, no no disrespect to them, but I mean, I, I know, especially when I was on the, under, on the, you know, let's say the under-16s, under-18s, under-20s, I, I do have a very strong personality, and especially for that age. And I know it wasn't, you know, always very easy to deal with. Um, but that's why, I mean, I do have a lot of respect for someone like, uh, 
like when Dave Smart came in, he mean obviously everyone knows he was completely different to what we're accustomed to. Yeah. But at the same time, I remember I came into practice and I just so I just got cut from GB from the Olympics, and I came into the under 18s. Uh, I think it was the was it the under 18s on the 20s at the time. Sorry, on the 20s, and. Um, I remember he told me to do something and I, I said, okay. And, and I turned around and he just made everyone get on the line. This was the first practice, the first play, first time I was there. I hadn't really even been introduced to him properly face to face. I said, okay, I turned around and he said, no, no, don't turn your back around. Don't turn your back on me. I said, okay, you know, sorry. He said, okay, everyone get on the line. And for me, I mean, from what I'm used to, from being how I was treated on the 16s, under 18s, under 20s, this was completely different. And I did respect him a lot for that and everything that he, you know, we would then discuss after and how he would treat me specifically. I I definitely had a lot of respect for him. That, uh, <laughs> that summer, I was, it was one of the actually things on my notes that I wanted to speak about with, with Dave Smart because obviously I've heard a few different things from, from various different... Um, players and other people involved with the program you know you just said that you obviously respected him for the kind of the way he was I felt there was a lot of people that also felt that he was a bit too much um can you talk kind of a little bit about how how it was like how how you felt he was uh, um I mean he was he was very demanding um and I feel like I find I feel like he would be a very good professional coach. So if he was, you know, a coach for a professional club or whatever, where these demands are kind of, they need to be met. I think he would be a very, very good coach. But I think what he failed to understand was with GB, I don't know, on the twenties, not everyone is in that professional mindset. Not everyone, people are studying. Some people, you know, they see this as their last year of playing basketball. And at the same time, okay, they still take it seriously, but at the same time, it's like don't, don't kind of overdo it. Yeah. Do you think you know, it was a bit of a shock to the system for a lot of the players? I mean, yes, definitely, 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 definitely. I mean, I don't think he was completely out of line. I just think you know, given the circumstance, given the kind of team it was, given the the personal goals people had, not everyone could be treated the same. So going back to your um, your sort of coming up, uh, so you're coming up with Sheffield and you and you left when you were 16. So before you left or 15, 16-ish, so before you left England, um, kind of what was going on basketball-wise for you? Like, were you putting up ridiculous numbers in various games? Like, did, is there any games in particular that stand out? I always like asking guys this, like a. Um, like a national schools game when you had like eighty or whatever it may oh, be. I mean, national schools. I mean, if everyone, if anyone asks me, that's the most fun I've ever had playing. I mean, I played with my best friend in Silverdale. I played with John Stewart, Atif, Jim. You know, we just destroyed teams. And then the sixth form team, it was me, Will, uh, Danny Cox. We had another, you know, a bunch of Sheffield lads from the Sheffield Sharks team. Uh, I mean, there was there was a bunch of games. I remember one in. I don't know, somewhere down south. Somewhere down south in a small gym. And we played and we, we won like 108, 107. I think I might have had 70 that game. I remember Doncaster 
you know, with those friendly rims they got, I'd have some big games there as well. But schools, I mean, I remember we played the finals. And uh, so the semifinals was when I had the huge game. Yeah. And then the finals we played against this London team. And, uh, I mean, this is what, one of my favorite memories because uh, so we, uh, we started the game and they would double-team me in the front court. They just want the ball out of my hands. So then they essentially they just play four on four on three afterwards. Yeah. And uh, so I was out. I was a little surprised. I was a little pissed off at the time. But then you know I, I gave it up and, and I remember Jim Rose had was was the MVP of that game, and he had I think he had like twenty five points or something. And I just I I just enjoyed that so much. And the fact that we had this other guy, uh, he's called Chris Hughes. He's never played basketball in his life. So, you know, on schools, you always got that yeah. one guy that kind of has never played basketball in his life. So they just carried on double teaming, double teaming me at, over the half court. And I'm like, you know, i got to get going. i got to do something. So anyway, they made me pass to Chris like twice. And he had no option but to shoot. And he made two back-to-back threes. <laughs> and we were all just losing our mind. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. So we that day, we won... I think it was the under 16s and Jim was the MVP. And then we played um, the sixth form lot. So it was me, Will Hall, the same guys, John Stewart, Jim. And we played against, uh, I think it was, it was like the Hackney team, like Ryan, Helio and all those guys. Yeah. And we ended up winning by 20. We had, a, we had another great game. That was, that was one of the best weekends ever. How much satisfaction did you take on being a team from up north that was sticking it to the London and the South teams? Because I feel like there's always, there's kind of always that debate where I feel like the North is always, people from up north, the teams always feel underappreciated um, and underrecognised, I guess. And, uh, and, you know, the London teams always have the swagger of thinking they're going to walk in and just batter everyone. So, like, how, how much did that play a role in terms of... Uh, I mean... Yeah. I mean, during my time, uh, under, let's say, under 13s all the way to under 18s, um, I mean, we were, the, we were the best team in England. There was no, there was no discussion. I mean, Nigel's team, we, we won twice, three times. We won under 15s, under 14s, under 13s. No, not under 13s. We won under 14s, under 15s. And under 18s, we won a bunch as well. So, I mean, I mean in my eyes, we were always the dominant ones. And Manchester was kind of the second best team yeah. and then you'd always have uh, I mean East London would bounce around but that was it I mean it was it was us in Manchester basically when I was when I was growing up do you feel like um, sort of junior Bartle and Sheffield has dropped off since that era I mean honestly I haven't I haven't really paid attention I mean I know I know Sheffield has dropped off badly yeah. and I'm pretty I'm a little disappointed with that. Um, you know, I, I know how much fun I had winning those those championships and playing with my friends. And, you know, it's uh, you do really cherish those moments. And I don't know for my little brother not to have won a championship, I, you know, I, I do feel a certain way about that. But, I mean, I guess it's just dropped off a little bit up, up in Sheffield. Yeah. So, at what point... Um did Basconia come calling? Had you done one summer with the England under 16s before you left? Is that right? It was so. It was the '92. So it was with Simon Fisher. Okay. Uh, uh, that's when I went on a tryout with 
with a bunch of teams. I went to Madrid, uh, Badalona, um, and Basconia. And I signed with Basconia that summer. So that year, sorry. And then after that is when I had, when I played with my own age group and we came third. And that's when I had kind of the breakout summer. You'd already signed at that point. And how, like, uh, yeah, how did they, so if, so how did they, um, how did they find out about you? Like, what was the process? Was there any sort of manual re- uh, sort of reaching out on your part? Or was it a case of, you know, people just came knocking because they'd heard about you or whatever and seen your place? I mean, it was, uh, I always had in my kind of, I mean, the story about me going to Europe was basically I went to a school in Sheffield called King Edwards and uh, my parents wanted me to move to Silverdale. I didn't want to. So I said, all right, let's, let's make a deal. If, if I move to Silverdale, that means when I'm 16, when I finish, I get to decide what I do. So where I go, whether I go to the States, whether I go to Europe, whether I, I stay here, I get to decide. They said, okay. So then I remember I played that summer, the 92s, uh, we had a Dutch agent come up to us and kind of started helping us out, saying he can get us tryouts. So we got tryouts. Obviously, I got interest from a couple of teams, and I ended up signing with uh, with Basconia, and that's kind of how it went down. And then, you know, when I was sixteen, my parents let me go due to our little deal, and um, that's kind of how it came about. Uh, why? Why did you choose the European route? Like even even back then. I mean, you were, funnily enough, you were the first uh, junior player that I think I ever covered signing in Europe. And at this point, you know, I, I knew yeah. nothing about kind of what happened in well, like, I mean, the basketball in... world. Um, but yeah, like kind of what, yeah, what made you, obviously you just mentioned then that you were considering the States as well and that was potentially an option. Like how did you weigh up the two and why did you decide Europe? I mean, States was probably the primary option, but then... I don't know, I kind of got introduced to European basketball and and I don't know, I always thought of the States as, so if you want to kind of pursue both your your education and whatnot, um, and the other reason with college is I always think, look, if you are a, a real NBA prospect and you go there for one or two years and you get drafted afterwards, and I can see the benefits However, if, if it's not really – so at the time, I, I thought, look, I'm, I'm a white guy from Sheffield. I'm a point guard. The chances of me getting drafted are very low. You know, I would rather pursue something more realistic, something more where I can get more benefits from. I didn't really see the point in going to college for, what, four years and then coming back to Europe to make money to pursue my dream here. Yeah. I would rather start from the beginning – and then build build on that. And the goal, sort of long long term, was to make the NBA at that point. Still, in your head. I mean, it's it's always it's always your goal, and it's always you know something you want to kind of chase. And when you get the opportunity, you get the opportunity. But um, I mean, at the time, I mean, I just thought, look, you know, uh, I don't see that working out for me. I don't see myself going there to an American college to kind of dominate the college in order to get drafted. Because, I mean, for me, that was my only reason to go to the States. I mean, if I go to the States, I want to go to the NBA. But is that really the best option? 
So I thought, no, no, I mean, it's not, it's not as realistic as I want it to be. It's not, you know, and honestly, education at the time didn't really. I knew I wanted to be a basketball player. I knew, I knew that's what I wanted. So I was like, oh, I don't really care about getting four years education at a really good school. I mean, that's not yeah. what I'm doing it for. So had you finished your GCSEs by the time I you went to Spain? I finished my GCSEs. Uh, yeah, I finished them at Silverdale, and then I did two years of school in Spain to get my baccalaureate. And is that the last edu- the last formal education you did, you've done? Yeah. Right. And so then when the... Uh, the move to Spain came about. Obviously, you you alluded to earlier, kind of being quiet the first week of practice and it being a bit of a shock to the system and stuff. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's clearly a big thing to do when you're when you're 16 years old. How did you find mm-hmm. that sort of cultural transition, being in a country where obviously English English, English is not the first language? Um, how how was the language barrier? How how like, did it, did more people speak English than than you thought they would? Like how, how did it all work? It was it was the most difficult year of my life by far. Um, I mean, I remember I came there and nobody spoke English, nobody. Um, and I had so at at the time this was the first time Basconi had signed a uh, a non speaking Spanish foreign player. Oh really. So it was me, and they had this African guy, Mamadou Diop, who spoke a little bit of Spanish, but it was it was super broken. So basically, there was no way I could talk to people, and you know, I had to go to school too. And even at school, I mean, I was sixteen, so these kids they didn't really know. They would say, "Hey, how are you?" and then they just start laughing and cracking up at my accent. Um, so obviously, I'd just be there six six hours at school, Monday to Friday. I don't understand the word people are saying. I come home, I practice. I mean, my my best friends, if you will, at the time were two uh, Americans who played on the on the big team, and that was Brad Olison and Carl English, and they were thirty one year old men. <laughs> so these are the people that I could kind of really talk to. So how how did you navigate that? Like how, how like how do you how do you navigate school when you can't speak English? How do you navigate um, as practice? People my age. Oh, hello. Well, I mean, I sat there. I was just procrastinating. And can you hear me? Yeah, sorry, we had a little bit of a break up. Carry on, carry on. I said, I mean, in school, I was just you know kind of procrastinating and trying to keep myself busy. I mean. The good thing is, though, I mean, I am very thankful for that year because now I'm fluent in Spanish. I can read, I can write, I can talk. Um, but, I mean, those first six months where you kind of got to wait for it to click, I mean, it's, it was horrible. It was horrible. I mean, I I didn't see my family as much as I wanted to. Um, even when I went home for Christmas, I had to kind of, I was like, look, please give me like a couple more days so I can just be home around English people, around, you know. Around some familiar faces. But How often were you speaking to your parents and stuff at that at that point? Um, I mean, it's just. Mm, I don't know. I'd say every day, every every two days or so. I mean, we'd always text or whatnot. But I mean, it was so new for for all of us. Like we had no idea what to expect, what to really. So it was just. I mean, it was a. It was new for me, and it was new for them. So. 
Uh, it was very difficult. It was very difficult. At any point, did you start second-guessing your decision? Oh, yes. Every day. Really? Every day. I mean, it was for me, it was... So I would practice with the first team, and uh, I was actually doing really well and, you know, getting involved with the team. And those were the best kind of two hours of my day. After that, you know, I hated school. I hated going home because the woman who cooked for us would just speak to me in Spanish all day. And I had no clue what she was saying. And I just felt like an absolute idiot because I wouldn't be able to reply. I'd just smile and nod and she'd just keep talking. And I'm just like, what, what, what can I say to you? And um, the guy that I was living with, Mama Lou, obviously we, we couldn't talk at all either. So I just, I just hated not practicing. And what kind of bothered me at the time was, I mean, everything was scheduled. So kind of back home, I could practice whenever I want. I could pick up the ball. I could go in the back garden. I could go down the street in the park. Here it was, everything was scheduled. Everything was scheduled. And for a 16-year-old that was just brand new to this, plus the language barrier, it was just so, so new to me and so overwhelming. What made you stick with it? Um, I mean, I, w- I was doing very well at the time. I was doing very well with the first team. And obviously those, those older guys, they, they helped me out a lot. And, you know, I mean, it was... I knew that if I, if I came back, I would have I probably gone to the States. And, and God knows what would have happened then. But, I don't know, I, I am very glad that I stuck it out. But I stuck it out mainly because, you know, I, those guys, they, they looked out for me. They said, you know, I, I could have a really good career and it's it'll be very good for me if I stay. So I kind of, you know, I let them kind of help me out, talk me into it. And obviously my parents as well saying, look, just just ride it out. It's And it's true. I mean, once I learned Spanish, it was a completely different story. It was a completely different story. How long do you think it, it took for you to actually get settled in, like have that sort of basic grasp of the language and kind of feel a little bit more at home slash integrated? Uh, six, seven months. Six, seven months. Oh, so relatively quickly. Yeah. I mean, at the time, it wasn't, it wasn't quick, <laughs> believe me. When you're going for it every single day and you can't speak yeah. to anyone. Yeah. Um, and so then on the court, uh, kind of, you, was it... You were playing with the first team, or were you practicing with the first team? Who were you actually playing with? I was so I was practicing with the first team. I did the preseason, and then all of a sudden I stopped, and I would play with the juniors and like some. Uh, I think it's Eber now, some Eber team. Yeah, and uh, and that was basically it. I mean, I I played with those two teams, and it was. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like it. And I I did make that very clear. Um, I mean, it was very... Juniors was very easy. Even ever, I mean... You got a lot of old, experienced guys. It's very, you know, old league. And, you know, you got some very nice players. But it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. And I, I wanted something more challenging, something more professional. Professional is the better word. Um, and I mean, obviously they, I'm not going to get my way. I'm a 16 year old kid. What do I know? They, they know a lot more than me and I respect that. 
But the year after, uh, I did the same. So I played with the Ever team and... Uh, yeah, it was two seasons, two seasons, right? Yeah, it was two seasons. And we made the Spanish Championships that year. And we did okay. We Well, we got cheered. I still remember that in the quarterfinals. What happened but in the uh, we played against DKV and they hit. They shot a three from half court on the buzzer. It was a tie game and they called a foul. <laughs> Obviously, the guy makes his free throws and we lose and whatever. It's over. But that's, that's still buzz. Thing that would happen in England. Yeah, it was. Li- it was a reminder of of the English times. <laughs> so uh, those were. So that was like two thousand nine, two thousand eleven. In fact, I remember yeah. around that time. There was a game when you had like 55 points, which obviously I managed to get the hold of the video footage from somewhere. Was that in? Was that yeah. playing for the juniors? That was the juniors. Yeah, that was the juniors. And the juniors were an under-18 team, I assume? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, from there, so that was 2009-2011. So, you had, um, you had under-20s in between that, right? So, there was, there was the summer of 2011 with Tim Yeah, Lewis. that was the... On the twenties with the ninety ones, so with Ryan and uh, and all those guys. That team was stacked. Yeah, that was the. I mean, that's the best team we've ever had, that I've ever been a part of. That's that's the best team I've. But what, why do you think? Because obviously you didn't actually do that well at the championships. We were terrible. We were awful. <laughs> why? Why do you? What, what do you think happened? Where did it go wrong? <sighs> I mean. I don't know. I mean, uh, we probably needed more than one basketball. Um, yeah. I, I think mean, that's... For that's context cool. for people, on that team were, it was you, Ryan Richards, Will Hall, Adam Thosby, Will Saunders, Marco Ali Tullio. Fraser. Who else? Alex Marcatulio. Yeah, Alex Marcatulio. Um, so, there were, you know, a number of guys that obviously went on to play seniors as well. Uh, yeah. Where did you, and where did you end up finishing? 13th. 13th. Wow. And how was it behind the scenes? In terms, like, um, did you was, find you you all got on off the court and stuff, or were there oh, kind of? There was no problem off the court. I mean, we we're we we're all friends till this day. But I don't know. I mean, I thought it was it was kind of like they they thought of us as an NBA team. Like the plays we ran, the the setup we had, the the talks we had. It was kind of like I don't know. I. Somehow it just felt like, all right, we're being obviously we're very good players, but it's being not pampered. I wouldn't say pampered. It just <laughs> everything was a little over the top, right? And that was you when know, GB had money, obviously, because that was that was pretty yeah. Well. It was so we'd stay in like these great hotels and whatnot, and but everything was just over the top. I mean, it's, it it should be more simple than that. And when things did become more simple than that, everything worked out. Yeah. So, and it was, so you'd also buy, so was it 2010 that you first got your call up to seniors? Uh, that was... Because that was at ACS was Cobham, year, right? That was the year before. Yeah, so it, was, so it was the year before you'd already called up to seniors. Yeah. You'd made your debut against Canada. It was ACS Cobham, wasn't it, against Canada yeah. in, was it yeah. Netherlands? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how was your, like, obviously... You know, I assume the call-up was a um, made you feel good or whatever. But kind of, what was your reaction to knowing that you were going to get a call-up to the senior team? I mean, I, I was 
very excited. Um, it was obviously a very big achievement for me. How did you find um, out? Who told you? I don't. I don't even remember. Um, I don't know. And then how, how was the experience going? Like, what was your mindset going into the sort of the first camp? Um, you know. Well, I mean, it was, it was very strange for me because obviously I I didn't know any of these older guys at the time, so. I remember I'd, I'd see Ogo for the first time, Justin, uh, Matthew, uh, and then the older guys, the obviously the the main main players. But even so, for me, even seeing you know Ogo, Justin, Matthew was kind of a surprise for me. Yeah. But they were the young guys on the team in a way. Yeah. So meeting them, I was already kind of you know I wouldn't say starstruck, but I was like you know what, look, I'm actually playing with these guys and. You know, I'm finally here. And then you add in Lawal, Pops, whoever it may be, and that's just a whole different level. But, I mean, for me, it was just, I was just excited, just happy to be there, just, you know, taking it all in. Was your was your mindset going in, I want to show, like, how good I am? Or was it more like, oh, I know that I'm going to have to take a back seat and kind of like, and, and play a sort of, limited role in these early stages when you were, you know, what, 17, 16, 17, 17 years well, old? Well, I mean, I, obviously, I mean, physically, I was probably about 50 kilos less than anybody <laughs> else. So I kind of think as soon as I saw, you know, I saw Ogo, as soon as I saw Ogo, I said, okay, you know what, this, let's just show people that I can play, that I'm good, that I can hold myself. I understand physically I'm, I'm, I'm not there. Physically, I mean, I can. I'm fast. I can jump, but you know, I'd get posted up. I mean, Ogo, he's smaller than me, but he would have posted me up and scored fifty points on me. So, I mean, I, I was very realistic at the time, and that's why I kind of. I remember they they gave me the option to say, "Look, you can come with us, spend the the summer with us, but you're going to be eleventh, twelfth man, or you can go back to the under 18s And that's when I, I said, "Look, you know, it's it's probably better for me at this age to." to play, to enjoy myself. And so I decided to go back to the under 18s and, and do that instead of riding the whole summer. With them. So then next summer was the under 20s group that we spoke about with Tim Lewis. Um, mm. And then that was, uh, the first Euro basket. and that was a scene. Yeah. That was, yeah. The first Euro basket. That was, was that when the London invitational happened as well? The, yeah, yeah. It's two, all 2011. So kind of, yeah. Yeah, talk, talk to me about that summer um, with the senior team. Obviously, you know, you've got one more year of experience under your belt. Um, you kind of were there last summer getting your, your, your feet wet. Uh, you know, had you gone in knowing or expecting to make the, the Eurobasket squad? Like, what was your mentality? Oh, my, my mentality was completely different now. I mean, I knew what it was about. I knew... I was also very upset with how in the 20s went. I mean, I thought... Not not just for me, but for the other players too. I mean, it was very disappointing and and heartbreaking in a way. Because I, I mean, my one of my dreams was always to play in Division A and prove that I can have the same numbers in Division A. And I that's what I thought. So for under twenties with Ryan and all them, I thought, look, I'm going to get uh, kind of my age group up to Division A when we've always had you know a very good squad and compete. So that was in a way that kind of fueled me a little bit. And then once we were there at the, in the, at the GB camp, I mean, obviously it was basically the same guys as on the twenties. I remember it was me, Alex, 
and Ryan. So the three, we were together all the time during the twenties as well. And it was just, you know, obviously from knowing it the previous year, how it was going to be, I said, look, you know, I'm going to make the team. I'm going to do everything I can to make the team. And I remember I would have some, you know, you know, one game I wouldn't do anything. Next game I'd score 17, 16 or have a really good game. And it was just, I don't know, I was very, very pumped up. And I, I liked how the setup was. You know, the setup was kind of we scrimmage, we play, and and you hold your own. You you compete. And I did respect Chris a lot for that because he didn't need to do that. But he, you know, he let us kind of, you know, talk for ourselves. So with, you know, I I, I deserve to make that team. I deserve to be at the Eurobasket and that's because I got the opportunity in practice and even in the games to show that I was that I belong to be there and I am extremely grateful for that. What was what kind of uh was Chris Finch feeding you at that point in terms of like information wise and, and you know how he felt about your role and where he could see you potentially being involved in the future and obviously at that point everyone had one eye on the Olympics as well. Um so kind of, what was it like, uh, sort of your your own relationship with Chris Finch? I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't say I had a relationship with Chris Finch. Uh, I mean, it was just it was a very kind of just player coach. Uh, he treated me like uh, like everybody else. I mean, I remember. I remember after the Australia game, he got me Andrew and Ogo, so the three point guards at the time, and. He would, you know, he he kind of he congratulated us for making the team, and then he just went off and said, "None of you are taking responsibility. No one wants to come forward and be the starting point guard." He said that in obviously in in different words, <laughs> cussing us out and whatnot. But yeah. you know, just those incidents where you know I'm I'm not treated as a young kid. I'm treated as one of the other guys. You know, I I just. I loved it, you know, and I, I really appreciated that he did that. Um, I didn't want to be babied. I didn't want him to tell me about my potential or whatever. I don't, I heard that enough at that time. And for him to not feed off that and for him to just treat me like another player, I, you know, I I can't thank him enough for that. A lot of people um, kind of say Chris Finch was a, a lot more sort of standoffish uh, in terms of his relationship with his players compared to Prunty, you know, how how would you compare the two? Oh, they're two completely different people. I mean, Chris was, like I said, I mean, I I could walk past him in the street and we'd probably say hi, and that would be it. You know, that's that's kind of how he was. Um, whereas Joe, I mean, Joe is the first thing you know about him is. He's just a great person. He's a, a great person to be around. He's very friendly, very outgoing. And, you know, it's, I don't think either one is wrong or either one is right. I mean, it's just, it's very nice. It's very refreshing to to be in contact with, you know, with your head coach from GB to to share jokes, to, to have a laugh every now and then. Yeah. So, Eurobasket 2011 in Lithuania? Was it in Lithuania? Yeah. Yeah. Um, talk about that as an experience. Uh, obviously, your group was Lithuania, Spain, Poland, Portugal, Turkey. Um, 
So a lot of uh, powerhouse teams. Um, I think I think it was actually that was referred to as the group of death at the time as well. Uh, yeah. You know, how, looking at your minute spread back then, there was a couple of games where where you got in and played minutes. Other games you didn't get off the bench. Um, you know, how what are your memories of of the, the whole tournament? Well, I mean, I I didn't really know what to expect. I mean, like I said before the tournament, he gave us that whole speech to me, Ogo and Andrew. So we had no idea who was starting. We had no idea who was kind of the second point guard and who was going to be stuck on the bench. But either way, I mean, I was 17 years old. I was, I'm happy to be there. I think I was the youngest guy at the tournament. So for me, it was all an experience. And if I got given the opportunity, which I did, you know, I would I'd play my heart out. I'd, I'd, I'd try and be there for the team. And I remember Lithuania, we lost by two, I think. And I think Andrew was a point guard at that time. Uh, he came in and, and we, I mean, we, it was a heartbreaking loss. But then I remember Spain, he gave me the chance. And for me, that was, no, I think it was Turkey first. We were down, down by a lot. Um, and he just, you know, kind of threw me in, into the mix. And I remember my first play, I was, I was so happy to be there that I, I tried dunking on Elias over. <laughs> I think I fumbled it or something. It was it was a little tragic, but um, I remember that's the, my first play coming in for the bench. I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna try and dunk on somebody." Um, and then uh, obviously they they enjoyed that. They appreciated that. And then uh, I played a lot against Spain too. I think I played nearly 20 minutes. Yeah. So I mean, I, it was more than I expected. I mean, I know I had some good games leading up to the EuroBasket, but. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't expect I'd, I'd play that much. How much of a confidence booster was it for you then going into that sort of the, your next season? Because it was after that season. Oh, that it was, was, that, that was, it was a huge confidence going, boost. Right? Yeah, it was a huge confidence boost. I mean, I came back and uh, Dusko was still the coach. And I remember I came back to practice. I was doing very well. Um, and I twisted my ankle. I think I was out for two months. And kind of we were trying to figure out where I would go, where I would... So there was a little bit, bit of drama with all that. But I ended up going to Stadagona. I came back a little late. And obviously my first two games were awful, coming out of injury, which pissed me off. But, um, I mean, that was my first real professional career, professional uh, professional year. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, it was, I mean, I kind of, I overlooked it. I thought it would be easier than it would. But, I mean... It had, it did help me a lot. I mean, I I came in thinking I was going to be the man. I, I'm not going to lie, but it was uh, obviously playing with men and playing with seasoned vets is is different. It's different. So I, I did learn a lot from that that year. What were your what were the biggest takeaways? Obviously, that was your first season, as you just said, as kind of like a a, a true professional, so to speak. Um, you know what. What were the sort of the eye-opening experiences or the things that you took away from it into that sort of next summer? Um, I mean, the first thing is uh, not every team is a EuroLeague team. So I used to, so getting my clothes washed, getting uh, practice gear laid out, getting everything set up, practices being always having a good practice. That's out the window. <laughs> So it was a lot, you know, no offense to them, but the professional atmosphere was 
a lot different, and it took me a, a while to get used to that. I mean, I was a little spoiled in a way. Um, and I mean, it was just different. I mean, I, professionally, I was used to Dusko, so the, the hardest coach in Europe. And then I went to you know Bernie Alvarez, who was who used to be a player, but he was very friendly, very very a bit of a joker at times, and um, you know it was it was just a little weird for me at first. Obviously, I got the hang of it towards the end, but I don't know. It was just like two completely different atmospheres and different teams, and I I don't know I. Maybe because I was so young and maybe a little naive, I thought everything was going to be very similar. What, what, um, you know, I guess you, you obviously moved for then, you moved for that team. Kind of, how, how was it to be a, a, a young guy in a, in a new town, um, kind of off the court and stuff? Like, what would you do with your downtime when you weren't playing basketball? Oh, in Tarragona, Tarragona was probably the best location I've ever played. I mean, we, the gym was next to the beach. It was good weather all year round. We were an hour from Barcelona. So the life was great. I mean, I lived in uh, like a little residence with students. So I was around people my own age. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I just, I hung around with, with the, with the people from, uh, from where I was living and I'd be at the beach every day, basically just walking down, whatnot, having food on the beach I mean, it was the life was very, very easy there. Do you feel like you uh, you're one of those that prefers or, or likes to sort of integrate more with local culture than staying sort of cooped up in your in your apartment the whole time? Oh, definitely, definitely. I don't I'm, I don't want to be in my room all, all day. I don't want to be. I got to go out. I mean, as long as it's not freezing, I'll, I'll go out and I'll I'll find out something, something to do, see some culture or whatnot. So after that season, uh, how are we doing for time? By the way, are you in any rush to zip off? Because I'm. No, know. I mean I got I got to practice at one thirty, so we got time. Okay, all right, cool. Let's, I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll bear it in mind, but uh, yeah, because we're we're not even close to touching on a lot of things I want to touch upon. But maybe we'll go another fifteen twenty minutes or so. Um, That's fine. So uh, yeah, so after after that season um, in Tarragona, uh, obviously that summer it's GB again, which. You know, for those that don't know, obviously you've been loyal to the program GB England since you were under 16, playing all every summer. So you did under 20s in 2012. Um, then obviously that was also with uh, well the year of the Olympics. Um, and this yeah. is kind of going into that summer. Uh, what were you thinking? Well, I mean, obviously I made the year. Team and I fought so hard to be on that Eurobasket team that you know I kind of I always thought I was always ninety percent sure I would be part of the team whether I would have a role or not whether I would play or not that was my question but whether I'd be on the team or not I I was sure I would be on the team especially after last year um, so obviously going into it I mean that's where my confidence was at that's where kind of I held myself and. I don't know. I mean, it was. I I had a problem with being cut because it was. Everything was kind of already set in place. So I mean, uh, the practices weren't like last year. There was no 
we didn't compete. We didn't go five on five. I missed the first game because I was injured, and I played one game against Lithuania, and that was it. Um, but we never went live in practice. So for me to get cut after that, I just thought, well, you know, it, and then they, they offered me the, the choice to go to under 20s. And I just thought, look, it's a little, if you, if you had this already in mind, of course, I'd be pissed off. You'd tell me, but I would respect it more. Yeah. Whereas you bring me all the way to Houston. We have this camp. We don't go live in practice. Uh, I only played one game and I actually, I actually did all right that game. Um, and then to get cut and then for you to offer me, you can go to the under twenties. I mean, what they didn't realize was I don't want to just show up to the under twenties after being with the GB men. I mean, that's, that's one of my issues. I mean, what people don't know is, so for instance, uh, my first year when I got invited to the GB camp, they gave me the choice to go to under 18s. I said, I mean, I said, okay, if people don't have problem with it as in other players or the coaches because obviously I'm not I haven't practiced with the team I'm just coming straight to the tournament to play yeah and they said okay you know it's okay this was the first time I did it and I remember I came on a flight and I arrived at six o'clock in the morning in Israel and we played the next day against Denmark and I the only time I practiced with the team was at the future stars yeah. in between I hadn't done anything with the team so obviously I got thrown into that um and now for them to do it again, to kind of say, look, you can go with the under-20s. And that's when Dave Smart was a coach. So that's why I said, look, I don't want to do that again because obviously that that did, you know, uh, players did have a problem with that when I first did it. And that's why I said, look, I'm, I'm going to call every player. I'm going to call the coach. And if people have a problem with it for me coming and just showing up, then I'm not going to go. So I called every player on the team. I called the coach. They said they were okay with it, so I, you know, I got on a flight and I, I did the same thing again, which I didn't really enjoy. But at least this time, I, I knew people didn't have a problem with it. Had you missed all of the team's yeah. prep? You did you fly straight out to the Euros? Uh, no, I did one week of preps before. Okay, was that when Dave Smart was a coach in two thousand? That was when Dave Smart was a coach. Yeah. Okay. So with but, the, I mean, the whole yeah, was, I mean it was. Obviously, I mean, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and it's, it's very painful. But I don't know. I mean, looking back on it, I would have just preferred to not have been there from the start, you know, because it was already destined which players were there and which players were going to compete for that last spot, which is fine. You know, obviously, you know, it's difficult. It's very. I'm not saying it's easy for the coach to select certain players, but... You know, I, I I felt like I wasted some time, and it just kind of put extra salt on my wound, which I I, I didn't I didn't like. I didn't like. It's, it was it's almost like kind of giving you false hope. Yeah, that's like, exactly no point you being there if you haven't got a shot on making the team, right? Yeah. So what was it? who 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 had the exit conversation with you? Like, how did that go down? Like, oh, did, I mean, that was Did you have any horrible. idea at that point? Like, did you have a, an idea ahead of you getting cut? Like, had you started thinking, oh, like, maybe there's a chance that I'm going to get cut here? Or, like, did it come out of the blue? I mean, after, after the Lithuania game, I, I, I did all right, and we went back to practice. And, but it was still, there was no, like, competing. There was no... I remember we did, like, 48 minutes, and it was just stations. So we didn't do anything else. 
And I just, I already started questioning myself. And obviously, I, would, you know, I was very good friends with certain players. And I would ask, you know, like, what, what's, what's going on? And everyone, I mean, the guys that I hung out, obviously, the other young guys, um, we were all just as confused as each other. But then one day, you know, they called me into their room. And everyone was just sitting there, and they just, and Chris just kind of said, um, you know, thank you for what you've done here, but we're going to go a different way. What was your reaction to that, that was when you first heard it? Um, I mean, when they called me in, I, I knew what was coming. Uh, I mean, I know how Chris is, so I already knew it was going to be short and there wasn't going to be any babying around it. That's not That didn't really bother me, but it was just... All these feelings came out and... I mean, it was it was extremely tough for me to deal with. And, you know, for them to come in straight after and say, look, you can do the under-20s, I, I mean, I was... I was very close to losing my mind, if I'm honest. To just to go crazy, but I mean, I, I pulled my I managed to pull myself together, and I did the under twenties that year, and, and still had a successful summer. When you look back on that now, um, are there any positives you can take from 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 it? Is it you know obviously it's clearly played. It's you know everything that that happens to you up until this point plays a role in who, the person you are today. Like, you know, are there positives that you could look back and say, actually, you know, getting cut from that Olympic team has taught me this or has allowed me to do this? Like, you know, has it shaped you in any way? Um, I mean, it helped me, you know, deal with uh, with adversity and whatnot. But um, I, I mean. I don't really think it, it helped me that much, to be honest. I mean, what what really kind of bothered me the most was uh, I remember going to the under-20s and I remember doing very well and I remember you interviewing Chris and he would say all these nice things about me and it just it just confused me. Yeah. And I, I just hated the fact that mid-tournament, you know, all of a sudden I get all these messages saying, why is he saying all these good things about you when, you know, you you've been cut and that, I mean, that at the time, that kind of pissed me off even more. And still to this day, I mean, I don't really understand why why that would happen. But um, I mean, I don't, I don't really think it helped me in any way. If I'm honest, I mean, it's it's just something I had to deal with, something I kind of went through. But I don't think it helped my career anyway. Have you had any conversations with Chris since? No, 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 no. How do you think it would be if you did see him? Um, I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I, I don't really have anything to say to him. I mean, if if anything, I have, I have to give him thanks for all the opportunity he gave me for bringing me up into the GB system. I mean, the Olympics, okay, it's a, it's a heartbreaking situation, but I mean, in a way, I, it is what it is. I mean, I still, for the chances he gave me before, is I. I owe him the world for that. Yeah, tough one. It, it, yeah, it must, it must be so hard because obviously, like you said, the Olympics is a is a is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, yeah, with the way basketball is and and you know and, and in London and all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, it must be tough. It must be tough. So uh, after after that, uh, next season was with Catheris. 
Catalyst, yeah. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit about how, how that went down. And, you know, like, were you still expecting to be put out on loan every season uh, by Basconi? Or, you know, or were you hoping that... Um, I mean, at this time, I was, I was hoping this would be my last year of loan. So I knew I would be on loan. But I was hoping I'd do really well and, and make sure this was my last year. And I remember I, I was doing very well. Um, then I had a little hiccup and uh, situation with the coach. Um, I remember it was, like I said before, it was, I mean, I'm, I'm very emotional. I'm very competitive during the games. And he was very persistent in me not showing me my, my emotions. And he, he was right. He was, you know, I, I honestly, I did let it get the best of me sometimes. And, and he would sit me a couple games. I remember he sat me like three or four games and said, "Look, you gotta you gotta change your ways. And I'm like, he, this is gonna help you in the long run." At the time, obviously, I was just thinking, "Man, I just want to play. Play me now." As I'm older, I understand what he was trying to do, but um, that was kind of my only hiccup during Catherine's. But the whole, I mean, the whole situation. I was very happy being there, playing. Obviously, it was a good left goal team. Um, but then, I mean, Basconia called me, like I said, they had a situation with their Spanish point guard, Carlos Cabezas, and they ended up cutting him. So obviously they needed a replacement because the Spanish player had just left. Mm-hmm. So when they called me, I said, okay, you know what, look, my opportunity's finally come. I can, you know, uh, join the team and, and be a part of the team. But obviously when I got there, it was a little different. I mean... The team was already set in stone and the rotations were already set and uh, I was just there to, to maintain that Spanish uh, Spanish position. They needed a Spanish player otherwise they couldn't play in the league so that was kind of my role for half the year and that that did piss me off again because obviously that's just I could have been playing another 20 games with Cáceres and make the playoffs and play the playoffs Instead of being on a bench, okay, everybody would say, "Look, you're on a bench on a Euroleague team. You're experiencing all this." Mm, I understand that, but I mean, even now, you give me the option to play or be on the bench. I'm going to play. I don't care where it is. I want to play. So that that bothered me a lot. You'd gone back to them around February-ish of that season. Yeah, February, start of February. Do you get any say in that? Like, how does it work when, you know... No, no, I don't get any say in that. I don't get any say in that. Right. So they just tell you, this is what you're doing, and that's it. And then yeah, they, they, told me, they told me, pack your bags, you're leaving in two days. I said, okay, all right. Is that, and then, is that the same? When, when uh, they loan you out, do you get any choice in that? Uh, I do get some choice in that. Um, but obviously, it's got to be... Uh, I got to agree with it, and the team has to agree with it. So it's not like my choice. It's yeah. it's a bit of both. So in summer of twenty thirteen, um, that was probably your biggest summer in terms of your junior numbers at a junior championship. Yeah. Um, and that was, was was Dave Smart. I didn't realize Dave. Did he do two years? No, no, that was that was a uh, Doug. Doug was there. Oh, Doug that was Doug's first. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. That's right. Um, so yeah, talk to me about talk to me about that because that was that was the year that was the under twenties. You you got to the the final against Poland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
obviously you personally were the MVP of the Division B European Championships, Under-20 Championships, yeah. uh, 90 All Tournament team. I'm trying to, I was trying to dig up your numbers there, but... Uh, so you averaged 26.8 points, 6.3 reruns, 4.9 assists. So decent little numbers. Um, yeah, what, what are your memories of, of kind of that campaign? Um, well, I remember, I mean, everything that happened. So me getting cut from the Olympics, then getting brought back to Basconi and not playing a minute. I was, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever been that motivated to... And I, I said, I said to my friends, I said, look, man, I'm, I'm this on the 20th, we, we're going to win. I'm going to destroy the tournament. And then I'm going to play with the Eurobasket and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be playing at the Eurobasket. And, uh, I remember my first conversation with Doug. I mean, I, I said, look, man, I, you know, I, I told him exactly how I felt about everything and kind of, look, I'm, I'm here to, to make some noise to, to do this thing right the right way, especially since it's my last year as well, and everything I've been through with the with the younger age groups. I mean, it's some of the best years of my life. So I just kind of, and he's, he, I mean, he said to me, I said, "Look, uh, I'm gonna give you the keys to the car, and we go as far as you go." And that's kind of, and, and that was it. I mean, we we lost one game all summer. We, and that was the final. Well, we won all the preseason really games. You had like real extensive prep. That was like the last summer where there was a bit of money floating around as well and stuff with yeah. the new program. Um, yeah, we played a lot of teams. Yeah, you played a load of games. Didn't you, was that the was that the same summer when you hit a buzzer beat or something? Was it in Portugal? Yeah, I hit the buzzer in Portugal to uh, for overtime, I think, um, and then we ended up winning in overtime. And then and then yeah, and obviously steam through Euros. How tough was that loss in the final? Um. I mean, for me, the fact that we beat them the first time round. So Poland is like this golden generation. They made the world championships when they were younger. Their '93 generation has basically always been their best generation. So when we played them in the group stage the first time round, we were like, "Look, man, we we got nothing to lose. Uh, you know, kind of just let's just play how we've been playing." And uh, obviously, I mean, I, I had a great game, but other, I mean, Nick Lewis, Nick Lewis hit like six threes. I mean, we just came out killing, just destroyed them, and that's that. I mean, that game will stick with me forever. I mean, the fact that we we beat that team, but then in the finals, I mean, it was a little different in the finals because obviously, when you make the finals, you're already promoted, yeah. And that's kind of the ultimate goal. Obviously, we wanted to win, but I mean, talent-wise, they they were head and shoulders above everybody. So this time around, they they weren't letting letting that happen again. So. I mean, I'm not really that upset about that. Did you I mean, feel like the fact that you knew you were already promoted kind of takes away your edge? Yeah, it did. It did. I mean, if it was if it was Division A, it was for like a gold medal game. Yeah, I mean, it would be a little different. But the fact that we were already promoted, that that was the goal in the first place. And then seniors. So that so 2013 was um, obviously Coach Prince's first year. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of. Yeah, talk to me about that. How, how did the, how did that all sort of end up playing out? Um, I mean, that's the so that's the first time I got in contact with Joe, and obviously it was very surprising how, how kind of talkative he was and how <laughs> how much in contact he was. So that was very refreshing. He messaged me after every in the twenties game, even the prep games. Um, so that was very nice, very different. Um, I don't know. I mean, it was. 
a completely different atmosphere. Uh, it was probably my favorite year with the senior team. I mean, it was so I'm, I always hang around with Andrew and and Kyle. Those are kind of my and Miles. Those are kind of my uh, my best friends on the team, if you will. Yeah. So for us, I mean, that was the year where we kind of we all had a major role, and it was just. After after all those years we've been together, kind of fighting for our spot, and to have that, and to kind of be given the role, and it was, you know, it was it was very nice for us, for all four of us to be there, to be playing, have a big roles on the team, and obviously, we did have a very good tournament. We won two games. We, I mean, if we we should have been in Belgium and made the second round, but but still, it was a very did you, right. Had you expected to do that well? Because I feel like at home it was it was a quite a surprise to everyone. Because you, you know you won your first game against Israel, um, and you know you also beat Germany. Uh, kind of what what was the team's um, mentality going in? Had you gone in thinking you know we are good enough and we should be getting to the, se- well, to the second? I don't round? think I don't think our confidence was that high to be honest. But the thing is with these tournaments, so you go into the tournament and it's like a new start. So so we came in, I think we beat Israel the first game. Yeah. And that just kind of, we were like, all right, you know what? We If we can beat this team, why not? Why can't we beat the other team? So we kind of carried on playing, carried on playing. and that. So we played our best basketball at the right time, I think. And then this, this, the second game, um, you played against France. Um, obviously lost, but for you personally, how, you know, how was it to go up against you know guys like Tony Parker and kind of guys that I assume you would have grown up watching and seen and obviously seen what they're doing in the NBA and stuff. Well, I mean, it was a... I mean, these moments you think about, you know, the, that you kind of dream about, especially Tony Parker. But even, you know, I went up against Thomas Ortel, who was the point guard at my club, who was yeah. just kind of star at my club. So for me to get the chance to go at them, I mean, it was... I mean, I came out and I was... I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna play like I did in the under twenties. I'm gonna shoot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just go crazy. And it worked. I mean, it worked out, and I brought energy off the bench, and obviously that propelled that propelled me into the role that I had throughout the tournament. But I mean, it was just, I mean, it's, it's a memory I won't forget. So after after that Eurobasket, um, that season was kind of. The one was a, was a bit tumultuous, if that's the right word. Where it was a bit all over the place. Uh, yeah. Played for a few different teams. You st- did you start? Did you start with um, with Lab- uh, with Basconia? Is no, that- that's that's the year I I came back. So after that, um, uh, that's when Scariolo was a coach. I stayed with Labrador for the whole season. That was when and Dan Clark had signed there at the start of the season Dan as Clark, well. Right? Yes, yeah, so Dan Clark had signed with me as well. So. Uh, I remember I was on the team and I was playing minutes uh, the first, so throughout the the cup I played minutes and the preseason games and the first couple of season couple of games of the season I was playing, so I was I was actually okay with that. But then my role diminished. Uh, I don't think it was because I played bad. It was just we had you know Thomas Ortel, we had Walter Hodge, we had you know we had a lot of players. So I can I can see why. You know, give ten my ten minutes could help uh, them their guys get rhythm because at the time Walter wasn't doing very well. So uh, essentially, he gave him my minutes that I was having. Um, but my issue was, I mean, that's you know, I had a, 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 an amazing summer, and then 
obviously if I'm if I'm having minutes in Euroleague and ACB, then I'm I'm willing to be here. But um, that wasn't the case, and I was fighting to to kind of get a loan uh, throughout the season, but they just wouldn't let me go. And I mean, I was in a shell. I was I. I mean, I, I hated it. I really, I really hated that year because I did everything I set out to do in summer, and for it then to turn back around on me during that season. I mean, the way I handled it was wasn't the right way. I would have done things much differently, but I kind of just shelled up. I I just didn't want to practice. I didn't want to do anything. I just hated being there. Uh, when the team had success, I didn't feel like I was part of the success. I felt like I was just the little water boy, whatnot. And I really felt that I proved myself that summer. You know, I worked on my physique. I worked on everything. I was stronger. I was, I was just an overall better player. And for it not to go my way, and for it to, to kind of, for me to react that way as well, kind of set me up for the year after that as well. So the year after that was then we had the qualifiers. Uh, we didn't make it. Um, I mean, I I don't think I played badly, but I didn't play as well as I should have. That's for sure. And then that propelled me onto the. Obviously, I went. Then I got my way, and I I went on loan. But they sent me on loan to a team that it was just the same situation. I mean, Sibona is a nice team, and it's a nice team for young guys, but. Um, I told I told my agent I told the team I said look I don't want to be there if Blessing Game is there Blessing Game at the time was so this is when Dario Saric played there the year before he was the MVP they won everything and Blessing Game was the point guard and he was he's a very well known point guard in Europe and he's basically the man on that team he's won everything and he plays 35 minutes a game so I said look I'm not saying that I'm scared to compete against him for minutes I'm just saying I don't see myself getting minutes there so I, said, I made that very clear and I said, look, I don't, I don't want to go if he's there. Anyway, it was out of my hands. I ended up going to Sibona and, you know, it turned out that it was, there were no minutes, there were no, I didn't really know what my role was on that team. So I just said, look, I, I, I can't do this again. I mean, after the, everything I went through in Basconi that last year, I'm doing it again now. You know, and then I I ended up going home for a bit, trained with Nigel back in Holland, went to Finland, and I was just all out of rhythm. My head was all over the place. Um, I mean, it was just a disaster for me. And then I... Disaster in what way? And just... I was very close to calling it quits to... I mean, this is the closest I've ever been to saying, look, I'm not enjoying this anymore. I, I really just... I'm hating it. I'm hating it. And like quitting basketball completely? Just quitting being a professional. I mean, I wanted to go home and I just wanted to, I wanted to enjoy the game. If I don't enjoy the game, then I really, I don't want to, I don't want to do it anymore. And I mean, I blame myself because of how I handled myself in Basconia that last year when, when I wasn't playing. I mean, I really wanted to go alone, but I, I didn't get my way and it was very difficult. And I, the way I kind of, held myself off from people and just cut myself off. That wasn't the smartest thing I've done, but you know, it did, it did affect me the year after. And thankfully, I mean, I ended up going back to Spain and going back to love gold and Wesker and going to coach Kim Costa, who, 
who really just, you know, helped me out and got me back where I needed to be. And I had a, a good... You're forgetting to mention your one game with Leeds Force. Oh, I, the oh yeah. Oh, I forgot about that, yeah. So <laughs> after, Talk about that. So while, while I was home, I was kind of... I needed somewhere to practice, so I practiced with Leeds. And I said, look, you know, uh, I'm looking for another team, but, you know, if you guys need my help or whatnot, then, you know, I'm willing to play. I mean... But, uh, you know, I'm not going to stay here. Yeah. You know, we, always, we always knew it was going to be like, you know, until I find my next team. So I ended up playing that one game and it was a bit of fun and whatnot. I mean, it was very... <laughs> Is that how you described the BBL? It's just a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't... It's not a serious league in my... Well, from what I saw and from what... It wasn't... Really? You know, it was... But they did help me out and I'm very thankful for them. You know, let me practice and even let me play. Yeah. Um... And it did help me. I mean, it fi- I found my groove back and in Westgar. I had a, a good second half to the season. So, um, jumping back to the season before there quickly, um, in Basconia and kind of not playing and stuff and, and kind of how you dealt with that. Did, did, they have, did you have conversations with the club about um, why you weren't playing you know why you couldn't I did, get I did have conversations with the club and you know they were what like what did they say to you you know it's it's kind of you know they're putting pressure on the coach to play me but the coach you know he's more interested in the two point guards rather than the third point guard that's you know the the young guy that's the prospect basically so when you say um, you spoke to the club and they put pressure on a coach who do you speak to at the club like the general manager or something like that I, yeah, I speak to the general manager to uh, to who, I mean, whoever's really in charge. I mean, I spoke to I spoke to the coach too. I spoke to the coach. I said, "Look, I you know I said I want you to be honest with me. I said, look, if there's no role for me here, I would really like to explore my other options and and play during the season." And he said, "Yeah, I mean, he said yes, uh, I agree." And he said, "You should probably find another team and, and go on loan because right now it's very difficult to find playing time." Because I mean, we weren't having a very successful season. Um. But then, on the other hand, he wouldn't let me go because I was a Spanish player, and if I had left, they would have to sign another Spanish player. So, right. it kind of. And then, in terms of, uh, did you have any conversations about, like, you know, what it is about your game or your skill set that he felt that you couldn't bring value to the to the to the team to be able to play? Well, I mean, even before I went out there, I mean, I have a lot of respect for Thomas Ortel, and I've always said, look, this guy is is better than me, you know. Is so I I've never had a problem with him playing over me or playing a, a lot more minutes than me. Um, but I was competing very well with Walt, and even though Walt was a very good player, he was he didn't fit in the system, um, and. I mean, I don't know if if I fit in the system or not. I didn't really have have the chance to fit in the system, but um, I did have good games here and there. But it was just I don't know. It was just a very weird situation. Um, I, he never really spoke to me about what he wanted or what the role was. I mean, it was just a confusing year for me. It was a horrible year. So then that that summer. Um was obviously a tough summer with the, with the GB squad uh, when you failed to qualify for the Eurobasket 2015. Um, so you had qualifiers against uh, who was that? It was against Finland, Bosnia, Iceland. Iceland, Iceland. Yeah, Iceland and Bosnia. Um, 
Yeah, like, do you think that that, the, and you you just kind of alluded to the fact that you don't think that you played as well as you expected of yourself, um, how much of, do you think that that season was, was playing a role in terms of just having stuff going on in your head, um, and kind of what, what was the, what was the mood, I'm guessing, in, in camp that summer, um, with the rest of the GB guys, obviously that was kind of like a, I felt like it was quite a, it felt like a quite a big transition year for the, for the program. Um, I mean, we were we were confident we were going to qualify. I mean, going into it, I mean, me personally, I remember Joe would speak to me, and he he knew I had a frustrating year, and uh, he he understood where I was coming from. But I think my problem was I was trying to everything that I hadn't done during during the year, I would try doing with GB. So I was trying to do too much, kind of, and. I mean, I don't think I played badly, but I mean, for instance, the the first game against Iceland was probably my best game. But when we lost, I I kind of knew we were in trouble, and I was a little worried. And that kind of, I mean, I, I already knew Bosnia was a very good team with Teletovic, and yeah. so I mean, it was just after that first game, I I kind of saw things get out of hand, really, and that's kind of what happened. What were the internal team meetings like after that loss um i mean we were always very positive and we always had kieran you know what kieran's like kieran's always you know very very optimistic um so i mean the team wise we always had you know good meetings and good talks and whatnot but still once you lose a game like that that's especially in a group of three it's it's difficult yeah so so then, yeah, after that season was when you went to Huesca, um, which you said was a really good year for you. You feel like it's yeah. kind of like a, a bounce-back year in terms of just being able to get your head in the right place, playing a role and everything else? Well, I mean, no, after that year, so uh, I played Huesca and then I did the qualifiers. After that, I, this, that was my first year in Greece. Oh, so it's 20... So you played Huesca... Oh, okay, okay. I played the second half of the season in Huesca. And then after that, I went to Greece, so Arcadicos last year. And that was kind of, for me, it felt like my first real year. Yeah. And before that, that summer was obviously the first year that you haven't been involved with a GB program. Yeah. Uh, well, the national team program since you were 15, 16 years old. Um, yeah. Was that your choice or their choice? Um, that was their choice. I mean, they didn't, uh, I don't what did they say? I mean, I remember speaking to Warwick, speaking to Joe, and they said, I mean, since it wasn't really any, uh, there was no uh, real qualifiers or any games, they said, look, we want to check out uh, other people, other people's potential, whatnot. I, I said, that's that's completely fine with me. Um, there were no hard feelings on, in that in that sense at all. That was just an ex- that was an exhibition, that was just the exhibition game that they played against New Zealand, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that happened. You had Greece, which was obviously a, a really good year for you. A growing year for you, would you say? Yes, definitely. Um, like I said, I mean, it's it's just nice to feel important again, um, especially at the professional level. Uh, so that was like kind of my first real chance. And uh, I, had a, I had a very solid year. I mean, the team was a bit up and down, and we had a lot of, of drama. Um, in a way we had a lot of players that were cut that were released and I mean we had like 17 players that year and obviously this isn't this isn't a team that 
has has a lot of money, so there was a lot of issues. But uh, regardless of that, I mean, it was I definitely thought I had a good year and kind of a step up. And would you say that Greece is um, the craziest country that you've played in in terms of fans and and program and how it's all ran? Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely number one. How have you found the fans and stuff? Ovi was talking about them a little bit when we spoke to him last week, uh, and he was just saying he's never seen anything like it in terms of their passion. And- oh, I've, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, especially certain teams. I mean, my team is is up there, uh, especially regarding the lower teams. But those higher teams, those Panathinaikos, Olympiakos, Aik, Addis, those teams, it's just it's a little different. It's a whole new world. Has there been any? Uh, is there any examples of sort of crazy stories or things that have been thrown onto the court? Um, I remember last year, so, so last year we played against, uh, we had a very important game. If we win, we stay in the league. If we lose, we uh, we uh, we go down. And my parents came to that game and they had, you know, army guys with shields and stuff protecting the fans and they were spitting, throwing stuff. Um, and we ended up, the crazy thing is we ended up winning by one. But because we uh, we lost by one at our place, so this is a team we were tied with, um, we ended up going down, down the division on point difference. If we would have scored two more points in any game during the season, we would have uh, we would have stayed in the league. Wow. Killer. Yeah. And that kind of brings us to this summer. Uh, and I guess it will kind of be last last sort of thing we speak about before we kind of wrap up. Um is obviously GB. Uh, there was a, there was a lot of eyebrows raised when kind of you weren't announced uh, on the squad list. Um, so yeah, kind of w- what happened this summer uh, with GB? Um, I mean, I'm, like I said, I mean, I'm still, I still, I was still in contact with Joe, and he called me and he said, "Look, uh, uh, you know, do you want to be a part of this year's program?" I said uh, at the time, I said yes. So this was the first conversation we had. Um, and he said okay, and we chit chat and whatnot. Um, and then afterwards, I was in America working out, and he would call me again. And he said, uh, he asked me the same question: Do you want to be, uh, you want to be a part of the squad? And at, at that time, I, I just, I said no. I mean, I, I, I've been very loyal to the program, as you said, and I don't know with the previous years that happened. So the year that started in Basconia, then the year with me traveling around on so many different teams. I just needed, you know, some some fresh air to myself to work out to kind of really develop my game and have a summer off to myself and uh, and then let things go from there. So kind of, you know, look at myself for once and and uh, and put myself first. So I I decided to say no and and I mean there are no hard feelings. I mean I'm it's not that I'm never willing to play with GB again. It's just this this summer was was not the right time for me. Did you follow the team's progress and watch any of their qualifying games? I did a little bit. I mean, I, like I said, I mean, I, some of my best friends are on that team, so I'm very happy that Andrew played so well and and that they, you know, they managed to qualify. I'm very happy about that. And then looking ahead to next summer, is Eurobasket 2017 something that you've kind of got your eye on and thinking about you'd like to uh, play? Um... We'll see. Um, I mean, right now, I'm just... I want to develop on the year that I had last year, improve. Um, and like I said, maybe just keep 
gradually making jumps up and get back to to where I want to be, where I need to be. That's that's where my priorities at. If Eurobasket comes into the mix, then so be it. If it doesn't, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, I'm not really thinking about it at all, if I'm honest. Cool. I think that's a, a perfect place to leave it. Um, yeah, run, run, long time, an hour and forty. But uh, yeah, thanks, thanks so much, man. It's uh, no been problem, man. so good to hear your story. And um, at some point in the future, we'll definitely have to get you back on and, and do a do a part two. That's fine. That's cool. That's cool. All right, I'm in a rush. I gotta, I gotta go back to practice. Awesome. All right, cheers, Devin. I'll speak to you soon. All right. Thank you. You are listening to the Hoops Fix podcast, the official voice of the UK's largest basketball website. Visit hoopsfix.com for exclusive news, videos, and more.